Yeah, uh-huh, listen up, yeah, I can see you're new to this You ain't got no job, you ain't got no experience You're entry level, you ain't got no qualifications, baby You're entry level Your entry level, baby. Your entry level. Ooh, yeah. Entry level. Hey, welcome to this week's episode of Entry Level. I'm sitting outside in Los Feliz, California with Carl Hess. Oh, great to be here. Good to be here. Sitting on the lawn, podcasting. It's all we have right now. <laughs> it's all we it's have. All we have. There's so much people. So many people sitting in the lawn. The our na- my neighbors are coming. <laughs> neighbors are gazing over. They're, what the hell's happening? They're over looking there. over. They're like, "Ma'am, it's content, ma'am. Ma'am, ma'am this is what content ma'am, looks like. Entry level must go on <laughs> during the coronavirus <laughs> epidemic that uh, I guess we beat. I mean, podcasting is. Pandemic proof, recession no, but, proof. No, but I'm, I mean, yeah. oh no, we didn't beat it. I'm, we just yeah, pretending that we did. Yeah, yeah we're yeah, pretending yeah. we. We've beat. moved into phase three where it's like, ah, we're we're good. Yeah, we moved in. Not like, supported by science or the numbers <laughs> at all. It is not good. People are just go, people are just like fuck it. We're in we're in fuck it stage. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah, we are in absolute fuck it stage. I'm. Uh, we're recording this early on a Wednesday. Uh, because I'm leaving to go camping in Zion, meet up with my friend Eric Ashy. Brooks is returning to Zion. Nature I is am. healing. I am, yes. Um, my friend Eric, uh, he built me a custom record. Uh, see, you can even hear the nice neighbors. This is the most Brooks thing that like that I've heard. Like, This is the most Brooks possible trip. It's like, well, I'm going to Zion National Park because my friend built me a custom record player. Well, a record stand. Uh, because I, I bu- thought you were talking about like a turntable. No, no, no. He 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 makes uh he he makes he's a woodworker. Ooh. Uh, he's my friend Eric Ashy. He rules. Uh, he was my roommate in college. So obviously it can fit in your car. Uh, yeah. Okay. But he moved. He, the, the the funny thing he did after college was he moved to Maine to learn how to be a woodworker. This guy sounds rad. And uh, he lived in this tiny little cabin, like. In central Maine, okay. and I visited him during a tour, thinking like, "Well, I wonder what Eric's up yeah, to." Nothing. And I showed up, and he was like, "I'm going fucking crazy, yeah, of course, man." Of course, he was in he was in self quarantine yes, for he, years. He was self quarantine. He's probably cruising through this quarantine. Oh yeah, he's loving it. Yeah, but I I was like, he he had all these books, you know, that he right. brought from Iowa. Going Thoreau like, style. Really thought I was going to even read. though Thoreau had his mom. And uh, I don't know if he's going to love that or talk about it, but he he just goes, "I've just been drinking." <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing else to do. <laughs> just been, I've just been drinking, yeah. man. Well, look, that's been my quarantine experience too. Uh, so yeah, I and get it. And I feel him. We, I'll tell you what. Then we both got super duper drunk. Mm-hmm. I slept on his floor mm-hmm. in his tiny little shack. That sounds great. And now he lives in Denver and builds, uh, does woodworking for. It's called uh, Sheepdog Goods, and uh, he built me a nice uh, record. I stand. can't wait to see this shelf. It's great. He sent me a lot of stuff because I have one right now. I bought it from Urban Outfitters. Oh, it's sagging. Like that thing a is decade about ago. to experience a critical structural failure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's got, and uh, records, are, records are like bricks. Yeah. I have so many, and it's just like it's got a nice. It's really got a yeah. a nice bend. <laughs> it's in it's the, sagging. Uh, There's some sag going. In the on. wood. Also, in fun um, quarantine. Social distancing news. Started a garden, Carl. I did. Brooks built a, a box using plywood. It looks very sturdy. Me and my upstairs uh, neighbor. No sag in that box. Barry that thing is fucking rock solid. To, Barry, me and Barry Rothbart uh, got together. We built a five by two foot box. And right now I've way too many things planted you in there. We got cucumbers. We got onions. We got onions, cucumbers, peas, 
cantaloupe, summer squash, jalapenos. These are all in this box. Gabs does. Gabs is like, this is not going to work. She's right, but I'm. I say I'm being a scientist right now. I'm seeing what grows. The, look, this is a terrible time for almost everything in humanity, but gardening. It's a golden age of gardening. And right also, gardening is thriving. Over at Everett Manor, where Carl mm-hmm. lives, you are growing a ton of. We're weed. growing weed. We're growing basil. We're growing green onions. We got fucking. But your weed plants are like. Oh, I was gonna ask you if we could borrow some seedlings. I mean, it's, it's kind of my my roommate Greg's operation. But c- come over and we can you know set you up. Go back, listen to Greg Barris's episode. Great episode. Yeah, now's he, the time to fucking grow some marijuana and food. Yeah, he he's got a real good operation going mm-hmm. on. And uh, I'm like, I don't really smoke weed because I'm terrible at it. But like, right. if I grew just it, just a cool looking plant too. I, it's yeah, like exactly. he smokes more than I do. And like, I just like these plants. They if smell I, good. They look cool. If I grew it, I'd be like, well, it's, it's mine. You know, yeah. I, I hate tomatoes, but like I ate tomatoes <laughs> when I grew them. Right. That's a good way to like something. Once yeah. you make it, you have the sense of satisfaction. Yeah. Right. Nothing tastes better than something you've grown. I have dreadlocks in one year. <laughs> <laughs> Brooks really went to town that I weed grew growing these thing. dreadlocks. I have to Bro, like Welcome them. to the Brooks Garden. <laughs> like, mm, I don't know about that one. Yes. Uh, but I'm excited. I'll keep you guys updated and abreast on the garden situation. Um, Carl, what's going on with you? Some more protests this week? Uh, yeah, I've been hitting the protests. I've been getting tested for Corona oh, nice. weekly. Gab's so got- it's you know I was I was in the crowds pretty heavy. I was wearing an N95 mask, mm-hmm. but I'm Corona free as of two days ago. So like, and these are go the- to the protests. Like if if you're scared, I get it. But like Wait. if you're safe, you can go in a crowd and not get Corona. And I've proven it. Uh, and these are the All Lives Matter protests. <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> Stop with this. Carl and I were on a bike. Brooks keep making All Lives Matter jokes <laughs> in the worst times. It's just, what was the fucking? We, we were like picking up pizza and like these girls ahead of us were getting like a they, big order of like 15 and pies. And they were so And I was ni- like, oh, is that for the protest? They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Brooks is like, the All Lives Matter protests, right? And I was like, no, Brooks, no. <laughs> they they did sweet. not laugh. Yeah, they were the, like. Brooks ni- laughed and no one else did. They were like 19-year-old girls. They were very <laughs> sweet and nice and literally like, helping. No. Black Lives Matter protests, yeah. and I'm just, and they're picking up all these pizzas, and you're like, yeah, for the protests, and then I throw that out there, and they're like, what? I, I, had, to, I had to give a heavy joking, right. joking, 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 joking. That's joking. how you know a joke is good, when you have to immediately <laughs> back away from it. Yeah. And then we got our pizzas, and we ate it in the corner, uh-huh. like hobos. Yeah, as you do. Um, so, yeah, so you've been out, you protesting. Yeah, so, you know, if, if you've been worried about hitting hitting the protest, you know, just make sure you have a good mask we went, and, yeah. after you we, know, go do it. After we um, uh, podcasted a few weeks ago, you and I went down Yeah, to we went protest. into Hollywood. I mean, there was tens of thousands of people. We mm-hmm. were on our bikes, but, like, yep. you know, I, I you know, I think getting the N95 was, was a big step for me because it's, like, medical grade. Also— you know, everybody can't get it, but— I was at—I've— I went to that protest, no police around, and it was just generally yes. amazing. It vibes. really was a great vibes. It was just it was like, like Hollywood. Like everyone had like their door open, like mm-hmm. blasking music. People are dancing. They're on the roofs of their cars. Yeah, yeah. Until the cops show up, everything's chill. Exactly. Exactly. Did you see that uh, the police woman today who couldn't get her egg McMuffin? <laughs> it was the funniest <laughs> shit ever. Move over, Ronald McDonald. We yeah. got a new McDonald's clown in town, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, there's this. There's a. a I think everybody's probably. Seen yeah, it. if you haven't seen it, go it's to Twitter. It's so type funny. In, it's like uh, police officer wants egg Could you be more entitled in playing the victim? <laughs> and and it's like double because she's like kind of a Karen because she's like an entitled middle aged white right. woman and she's a cop. She's like a Karen cop. Oh boy. My McDonald's order and she's like sobbing. Yeah. <laughs> get the fuck out of here. Like, dude, whenever I get McDonald's, embarrassing. I, I dig a hole and bury the evidence. <laughs> I don't Yo, go on a shame? Twitter rant. Where's your shame, woman? Yeah, just devastating. Um, and I ordered a burrito. And, and <laughs> speaking of which, fuck I, you. I came home today and uh, 
Gabs had Gabs started going back, had to go back to work. She got tested for Corona, okay. Corona free. So I'm Corona free. But I came home and uh, I just saw McDonald's cup, and I was like, "You went to McDonald's?" And she's like, "Damn it! I thought I threw yeah, it all exactly. away." You have to de- you have to destroy the evidence. Don't yeah. make a video about going there. <laughs> okay, uh, so yeah, keep uh, keep protesting, keep doing great shit. Uh, change is happening. It's fucking rad. Yeah, the pressure's on, man. That 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 Atlanta cop got charged. You know, let's keep it. Let's keep the pressure on. Wait, what happened? I don't know exactly what happened there. That guy who shot the guy in the fucking Wendy's. The oh, cops getting yeah. charged. Great. Yeah, that's incredible. Keep the pressure on. Um, awesome. Okay. Well, all right. That being said, now at the end of Carl and Brooks's uh, privileged front lawn, tell you how to protest uh, hour. <laughs> Let's get to some listener mail for this week's entry level, which also, by the way, very exciting. We have Colt Cabana. I was so stoked. I'm a big fan of his. It's the first time we got to have a long conversation. It's a great conversation. He rules. Check out his podcast and watch him. He's uh, he signed to AEW right now, which is so much cooler than the WWE. I nerd out pretty hard. You're going to love this episode. But before we get to that, let's get to some listener mail. Are you ready for it, Carl? I'm ready. All right. And guys, if you have anything you want to read, we're running a little low right now. Email entrylevel with brookswhelan at gmail.com, and uh, I'll read your story, and we'll tell you if you did a great job or not. And guess what? We got our man Andrew here. Fucking crushed it. Okay. Okay. I'm ready. So he says, Brooks, uh, I recently switched jobs so I can now disclose my putty. Oh, there it is. He's been building it up. Mm -hmm. That's when you know it's good. He couldn't tell anybody about it, but now he switched jobs. He can talk about it. He goes. I worked for the best. I worked for Best Buy at the corporate office for about five years. Oh wow. Oh man, you work in a corporate Best Buy. Yeah, you. Can, you're in the heart of it. You really can get away with. If you're stealing from Best Buy, I love it. Good job. <laughs> uh, he says, I hated my boss. An old coworker and I spent months trying to figure out how to get him to allow me to turn my desk so I didn't have him staring directly at the side of my head. Oh God! Within sight of my monitors all day. You got that's a, a nightmare. It's a nightmare. That's, a, that's, you that's the worst that possible desk. thing. <laughs> Ideally, you like drag your desk over to the corner and then you have to squeeze <laughs> through the like by right. the wall in your desk to get to it. You you want as as few people to see your screen as humanly possible. You want no one to see it and you want a great field of view. That's the goal. Yeah. That's the goal of a desk in an office. Um okay, but he's his boss wouldn't let him do it, so he said we started uh started bugging him uh with getting paper masks of Guy Fieri and pointing them at his desk. Uh he told me to take that fucking mask down. I said, I'll take it down when I can turn my desk. Wow. <laughs> this man's incredible. This is, this is an aggressive move. Yeah, this is an aggressive <laughs> I like how getting a Guy Fieri mask is like his first move. Yeah. That's a strong for opening shot. This is so aggressive, yeah. And you're just like, clearly, if you want to turn your desk this bad, it's because you don't want to work. Right. Andrew, your you boss knows what you're trying you do to do. You do not seem like a hard worker if you're like, I'm going to put more work into getting masks I'm picturing him wearing the Guy Fieri mask sideways on his head so it's looking directly at the boss. I don't think it's on his head, though. He said he just pointed at him. Okay. Okay. He says, uh, eventually, Best Buy started testing an automation system to help kids with older parents keep their parents in their homes longer. I don't know what the fuck that means. I don't know what means. that means. That sounds terrifying. Yeah, but the thing is, so you don't have to send your parents to, like, uh, oh, an old oh, folks home. Oh, I like see. A good, okay. Not, like, let's lock them up. Right. Got it. <laughs> Got it. What my... Um, uh, what that meant was we bought Mark Wahlberg masks and put red tape in his eyes uh, behind the eye cutouts. I tied it to a motion sensor, so anytime my boss was at his desk, the light behind the mask would light. This is this is like yeah. very involved. Uh, yes, this is so incredibly involved. This is the amount of putting you're motion doing, sensor. The amount of not working is is incredible. <laughs> right. So you have a motion sensor. You tape the Mark Wahlberg mask. You put red tape behind his eyes, um, and uh, anytime. 
your desk is at your boss is at his desk, they would uh, Mark Wahlberg's eyes would light up red. That's that's pretty good. Also, it's tough to read this email outside in the glaring sun on my computer. Okay. Um, there we go. Someone's in a dumpster mm-hmm. over there. That's fun. Uh, okay. Then he said, again, the mask threat. Take it down. Again, I respond. Let me move my desk. Um, so he didn't let him. He goes, the final mask was Jeff Goldblum. I like these I masks. like how he's staying on mask. He's not heightening. No. He's just like, what about a different actor? That'll get the <laughs> job done. Yeah, yeah. If Goldblum can't do it, nobody can. He said, my coworker and I had plans to get a life-size Danny DeVito cutouts made. There we go. That's we, heightening from the mask. Yeah. Uh, as we both had a fun... Uh, fun, a, uh, wait, he, he, as we both had a pension for fucking with our boss, um, he finally broke and I was allowed to turn my desk. Wow. A war of attrition. Yes. This is your own protest. <laughs> right. Everyone's fighting their own battle. Yes. Yes. He goes, that's when I was finally able to watch all of the street sharks on YouTube while I quote unquote worked. <laughs> I love that that was his <laughs> ultimate goal. He's like, just got to get a little more street sharks going at work. <laughs> What is Street Sharks? Is it's that a like, cartoon? It was like a knockoff Ninja Turtles yeah. where like they were sharks and they like could swim through the street. I That's think. incredible. Yeah. We got to do a Patreon of this stuff. Like, so you will do, because I guarantee, Andrew, you do not watch Street Sharks at home. There are things you will do at right. work that you don't do at home. Such as watching Street Sharks. Such as Street Sharks. <laughs> We got to do an episode. We do got to do a Patreon where we just talk about all the. We'll uh, we'll put out a, right. on the Patreon a list of things you you. When done you're at, at work, work, anything is better than work. Yes, exactly. It's like how camping food is better camping. Right. Anything that work is better at any work. content. Any content. Street sharks. That's is not amazing. work related. I watched all of the Entourage series on my, oh my phone God. in the bathroom. Entourage is like the Godfather at work. <laughs> Right, but I'm saying like on my it was when HBO Go came out. I was working at Edwards Life Science. Just between, yeah. just every bathroom break, you're like I got another seven minutes it wasn't in. Wasn't even bathroom breaks. Hours. <laughs> They're Hours like, where in. is Brooks? Yeah. All you can hear is the theme song coming out of the stall. No. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Brooks has been in the bathroom for a really long yeah, time. Yeah. No. And I I've talked about it before how I, I would set up my computer so the screens here would never come on. It would always say I was on G Chat. <laughs> oh boy, I had it all set up. Uh, Andrew finishes with Best Buy is my cave. I appreciate it. We all have our own caves in life. Carl, where was your cave? Um, I had to work maintenance crew at my mm. own school because oh, my dad yeah. was a teacher there. Mm-hmm. So my summer job, he was like, "I got your summer job," and it was like working the like with the maintenance crew at my high school. Yeah, um, that's not fun. I mean, it was like. You know, me and like another like right. faculty kid would just like smoke weed and drive around. That's on not a, the cave. That sounds wonderful. But it was also like hard physical labor too. Right. So like okay, we okay. would get high and fuck off. But then it was also like okay, five hours of like mulching and mm-hmm. like digging up shit. I understand. Yeah. Well, uh, listen to Carl's episode. He talks about that in more depth. Sure. Um, enjoy this uh, week's episode with Colt Cabana. Uh, he's the man. It's great. Uh, if you want to leave a rating. Uh, go ahead and leave that rating. 2000, we're getting Brad Pitt on here, and you know that's real. Did you know that, don't, Carl? Don't dangle this in front of your listeners. Do you remember how we had, I don't know, I know that you're a loyal listener, but you know about the Leonardo DiCaprio debacle. I, I do. That son of a bitch. Well, you know, look, Leo, he's flaky. He's Well, he's not, he showed up, he just got a little, he got mad that I was doing something else. That's true. That's why I didn't, if he would have done my podcast, I would have given him the buzz he needed to beat Joker. That's true. And he would have won the Oscar for whatever he did that year, last year. <laughs> Fucking uh, big time Hollywood. Sure. Um, so either way, enjoy this interview with Cole Cabana. He's the fucking man. I nerd out about wrestling. Uh, leave a review if you want. And email entrylevelthebrooksman at gmail.com if you have any fun stories that you would like told. And also, the mugs are for sale. Hey, welcome to this week's episode of Entry Level. I'm here with Cole Cabana, a.k.a. Scott Colton. Scott, how are you? 
oh, we're using real names. I'll allow it. This it's is... up to you, man. Well, we don't know each other that well. We're just like internet friends. You know what I mean? Yes, we are. And uh, yeah, this, I, you know what? This isn't in the world of wrestling. So uh, it is my uh, government name, Scott well, Colton. You know what? We will, we will discuss up until you lost your government name. That's right, what this exactly. podcast is about. It's not exactly. about Colt Cabana. This is about Scott Colton becoming Oof. Colt Cabana. Oh, and what a journey. What a journey. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited because I, I doubt it's too different. We didn't grow up too far apart. You're very Midwest. I'm a Midwest man, uh, the suburbs of Chicago. For those who watched, uh, what was it, The Last Ride? No. The Last Dance? Oh, yeah. Last Dance. The, AKA what I lived for for five weeks. Yeah. So the Birdo Center was in Deerfield where I grew up. Oh, yeah? So like where Jordan, had, where Jordan and Krause had the, the conferences, like where they would all meet, like where the Bulls practice, that's yeah. where I grew up. Like, and I'm, I'm 40 now, so like 93, I was 13. So it's like the height of my childhood. McDonald's hanging out with BJ Armstrong, Scotty Pippen at Jewel Osco buying a six pack being like, these guys drink beer. What's time happening? Out. Time out. My, so my favorite player, the reason I like the bulls is BJ Armstrong because he's Iowa. Iowa. Yeah. Uh, you saw him in a McDonald's. Yeah. Just sitting there. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. No. And like, even from, and you're there like, um, so you get to see these guys just, I'm, you know, seven hours away or what, five hours away, but I felt close. It's incredible. Right. We would see, first of all, the house with Jordan that says the 23 on it, like that's down the road from me. Uh, and we would see Jordan driving around town. That's incredible. Incredible. That's, yeah. Cause he's a God. Uh, plus space jam comes out and you're like, what the fuck? Oh man. Well, I guess I was, a, I'm a little younger than you. So space jam really blew me away. Yeah, I, I hate to say this, and I hate to admit this, but I, I've never seen Space Jam. You would, you would be just, you're my brother's age, and you're, you're the perfect age to turn your nose up to Space Jam. I think so. I think so. But, you know, my brother's a cartoonist uh, and an animator, and so I even think he turned his nose at that. I mean, and he, he loved all animation. I've, I have no idea. We, we got to get him on and find out what was uncool about what they did. He'll give you all the answers. But what was why I don't I have trouble believing an animator would think maybe it was just people thought it was cooler than it was and it was just really basic. I mean, he was in awe of Roger Rabbit. He made me go see that at least three times in the theater when we're cro cross pollinating humans and cartoons. Right. And that's the same thing, right? I, I have no idea. I got to get an animator on here. I have to have your brother on here to give us the ins and outs. Um, okay, but for my listeners who aren't aware, Cole Cabana is an incredible wrestler. You've won titles. You're currently wrestling with the AEW promotion, New Japan Pro Wrestling. You've done all of this shit. You've wrestled WWE. Uh, you've done it all. You're still wrestling, crushing it. I'm a huge fan. I'm stoked that you're in AEW. Um, I told my friend that I was going to interview you a minute ago. He's like, it's like the XFL. I go, no, 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 no. Because the XFL is run by Vince McMahon. So it's right. the opposite of the XFL, AKA the NFL, which is also not right. Cause the NFL also sucks. Is, is it the arena football league? What's that? No, it's just good. It's its own thing was, was my thing. Cause I didn't even know how to categorize it to him. I was like, it's just good. It's okay. just simply good. And this wasn't Burns, was it? He knows what's up. This was not Burns. This was okay. Nick Turner, who was oh. just like, what? How's that work? God, I saw Nick Turner 
I think in like 2004 after, uh, after wrestling at the Hammerstein Ballroom at a UCB in a basement. Oh, uh, yeah? Yeah. What did he, what did he, was he doing stand-up? Yeah, I was killing it. He was great. <laughs> he's so funny. Yeah, he's great. He's got a problem. His problem right now is he won a car on The Price is Right. Right. <laughs> he's trying to get the most money out of not actually having to get the car. Uh, and I was telling him he's going to end up owing money somehow after winning this car. Yeah. But you know what? He'll get a good, like, uh, like E will do a story on him of some right. sort, and he'll get some fame, and that'll be his, like, comedy bump, and then hopefully yeah. he rides that momentum. I told him he's going to end up being an Aesop's fable of, like, just take what you get sometimes. Was that from his podcast? Yeah. Yeah, he won a car on Get Rich Nick. Um, but this... This okay, is a, this is about me. Sorry, sorry. This isn't about Nick Turner. This is, a, this is about Cole Cabana. Um, so, uh, you're from Deerfield? Uh, yeah. Can I give some – can I give some uh, – I know this is a comedy podcast, but uh, I, I just want to let the listeners know who don't know is that not only a professional wrestler, but kind of in the same way where, like, the accesses of awesome is a, is a band but also do comedy – I, I consider myself a comedian as as a pro wrestler. I I like to mix the the worlds together, and uh, you know, comedy uh, wrestling is the stage that I like to do comedy on. So yeah. I'm you didn't just pick me out of thin air here as a wrestler guy. No, no, no. Our our <laughs> Venn diagrams are almost total eclipses. I am a comedian who loves pro wrestling. You're a pro, and like, but also I don't wrestle. So you know what? Not a perfect eclipse. But you did. I did, but the fake uh, stuff. You did the fake stuff. I did the fake, the fake stuff. Yes, the incredible fake stuff, which I am absolutely still obsessed with. My oh, my favorite, my favorite sport is, you know, Olympic wrestling, and it's uh, it's a nightmare that I have literally no one to talk to about. Nobody. I don't know who would talk to you about that. My brother, but he's busy. He's got kids. It sucks. Uh, <laughs> but um, okay, so yeah, so you're very also very funny. You host a podcast. Uh, you host a, like the original wrestling podcast. Yeah, 2010, uh, yeah. I, st I started the uh, Talking to Wrestlers, Wrestler to Wrestler podcast, talking about like our lives as opposed to like fake storylines or whatever. Yeah, which is incredible. Yeah, and I did it for a long time and I still do it. I just don't do it every week. And uh, not to say that I'm surprised that you're doing it every week, but it's hard, right? Imagine no, it's um, eight it's years. It, it gets fucking, well, yeah, I, I would say, like, I'm, like, two and a half years into doing it every week, and I get in, like, four years, I'll be like, I don't know anyone else. I don't know anyone else. Yeah. There was, there, growing up, there was a magazine called the PWI 500, mm -hmm. and it had the top 500 wrestlers, and the, from when I started, I was like, well, I know there's 500 wrestlers, so if I can get to 500 episodes, what a miracle that would be. Yes, I do. Do you know what my favorite thing to do? Like, because I, um, I go in and out of phases of watching professional wrestling. I get super into it. It usually involves, you know, when's it, when it's coming to L.A. Or, you know, I was going to WrestleMania one year. So, you know, I spent like six months getting really up to date and just fucking diving so hard in. And then about two years ago, I, I was like you know, Wikipedia and just got so obsessed with that PWI 500 from like the last 30 years. And I'm just like, oh man, this is so dope. Yeah, it's I would, I would, I mean, that would be like, I would buy that. And I remember like, you know, how people like hide like playboys inside their like school books. Like I, yeah, I would read that thing cover to cover every single year, just in school. Uh, no wonder why I'm so dumb, but no. <laughs> It's really interesting, though. It's crazy. How does the, do you know how they do that? Is it like a team of like just, just made just it like, 
It's just it's some some guy who's like, I don't know, this dude did the best in my brain this year. Yeah. I think for years they had a team, but early on they just made it up. Right, right. Like how, you know, the Heisman or the – like the Heisman Trophy is, you know, a, 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 a whatever, football journalist. So. Yeah. Uh, okay, well, what's the highest you got at PWI on that? I'm sure that's pretty cool. Pretty good. I think like – 40 something 40 or 50 something oh dude how cool like what was the first okay we'll we'll go to the we'll start here and then we'll work backwards what was the first time you were in pwi because i bet that was the coolest experience well the first the first magazine i was in was in a magazine called wow magazine okay uh which this goes back to uh a job actually wow was i was obsessed with wrestling since i was a child i was in college and i needed an internship i went to business school and Wow Magazine was in Bannockburn, Illinois. They were publishing out of Bannockburn, Illinois, and um, which is the next town over. And um, I, sadly, I like they wouldn't even listen to me. You know, like yeah. Um, and I don't know, like you know, now like that I'm older, like maybe I should have gone there and been persuasive. But I just kind of called, and they were like, "Ah, oh, leave me, leave us alone. We don't." Well, know I think it's. I think well, also I think stand-up comedy and professional wrestling really have this similar starting situation where you never really have a lot of respect where you start it because they saw you at your worst. Mm. You know, maybe they're like, you're not, come on, you're just like live here or whatever. And you're, yeah, you're just like, you're not like on TV. You're just a college kid. Who yeah. You're a college kid who lives down the street and you want us to put you in a magazine, which is you're like, you're like, no, but I'm really good. Yeah. And I wanted to work at that magazine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, I, I think, um, yeah, I don't remember. Uh, I mean, it was, I remember it was like a picture that we took on a Kodak, um, <laughs> the instant cameras oh yes yes yeah and somehow digitally uploaded it and then emailed it to uh brandy mankowitz who was the editor of pwi or a writer at the time and she like snuck us in an episode oh, or in a in a magazine yeah that's incredible okay cool so but that that's very fun but let's get to that let's get to where you are like i think we're ready for pwi uh, cool <laughs> cabana uh how old were you and what was your first job okay well uh well i'm, I'm from deerfield and i my first job, I can't remember, so I'll give you two, and we can okay. discuss which was first. Sure. I, I was a, uh, I babysat, and I was also a Little League umpire. Oh, wow, dude. Okay, I've done both of those. Babysitting way easier. Way easier, um, but I had a pretty good scam running for Little League umpire. Okay, I, I was just, for me, and this is, and then you can tell me how you did it. I couldn't handle getting yelled at by dads. Oh, well, we can go into this later. I thrived on getting yelled at by dad as, <laughs> okay, okay. as an umpire, as a, as a, because I started probably in like fifth grade, but I umpired up until freshman year of college. Okay. And you have to remember up until freshman year of college, I was like, I'm the same size as I was basically then. I was like six foot two twenty. It lived in the gym. And so these entitled dads who wanted to talk shit to me, like I loved, like I was full of adrenaline, t testosterone also, I wanted any, the most thing I wanted to do in life was be a pro wrestler. Uh, so if, if dad started at me, I would go right at them and then okay. sit them down pretty quick. Wow. I was the opposite. If I, if I was like strike, they're like, that was a ball. I'm like, yeah, okay, it's a ball. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I did not last at all. I was very bad at it. Yeah. The, the more piss they got, the, the work I would call balls strikes like on their kids. <laughs> oh, that's incredible. Yeah. Okay, so who are you babysitting for? And then we'll go, because this baseball sounds very interesting. Yeah, I, I babysat my neighbors. I think there was two houses. Um, I mean, that was just kind of, 
an easy job, easy money. They allowed me to do it. Uh, I was definitely a, a fat kid. And then there was a point in my life where our parents uh, noticed both my brother and I were kind of like little chunkers. So they switched our house to no good food in the house. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> that's a tough, that's a tough day when they realize that that's it. Cause that wasn't a slow transition. I doubt. No, right to celery. Oh fuck. And uh, so I thrived on babysitting. Yeah. Uh, oh, cause you're just, you're just like making them food and eating it. You're just right. Yeah. No, it's, well, first it's, we show up, here's money for the pizza. Uh-huh. So we're getting, so right away, we're not ordering Domino's, you know, large to myself at home. So this uh-huh. is on the house. Right. And then when they go to bed, I'm, I'm a maniac. <laughs> <laughs> Just whatever yeah. I could get my hands on. Oh, that's great. Like, no. uh, I babysat some really rich people one time, but I got, I scared myself. Uh, cause when the kids went to bed, I, I was like, if I was a robber, I'd rob this house. So <laughs> I, I remember I put it in the movie, happy Gilmore and turned it as loud as it would go and just sat on the couch terrified thinking no one like basically home alone in the situation. Right, like right. A lot of people were there. And then when the parents came home, they're like, what is happening? <laughs> like, and I had to, I didn't babysit anyone. Oh, I was, so- I was a scared little guy. So but you enjoy babysitting, but it sounds like you're thriving over on the baseball field. Yeah, I, you know, I umpired for uh, many years. And then at the same time, I would say freshman year in high school, I also became a camp counselor. And so these were two careers that, um, that went for a long time. So umpiring, so if this was like 1993 or 1992, basically they, they had like a, you just filled out a sheet and then someone signed it. Uh, and that would be like how you got paid. I believe it was $12 if you did it with somebody else and $18 if you did it by yourself. So you would be the, you would be the, um, the behind home plate and calling like safe or that's a lot of work. Yes. Um, and then basically my young scam, my, you know, my young scam instincts just, I just said I did everyone by myself. Yeah, of course. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No one is there. Uh, and then, and then you just also make up games too. Like, <laughs> <laughs> who's no? So no one's checking. They're just like, yeah, Colts really working hard here. Uh, well, at that point, I was Scott Brooks. Come on. No, okay, I right. Okay, <laughs> so, okay. This young uh, Colton, Mister yeah. Colton, is what I meant. Yeah, yeah. I, unless you scam really hard, I don't think they were really checking. There's so many games. There's you know, they, there's just a lot of little little league baseball happening. Right. I, yeah, there was, I've talked about it before, there was a scam at the movie theater where we'd run under the table, we'd pocket a little money, and one time, like, our boss was in on it, and he was like, guys, the till's like $700 off, we can't go this hard, like, we gotta scam less, and we're like, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, my buddy Devin worked at Sam Goody in the mall, and I remember his deal was four CDs for five bucks, uh, that five bucks just went right in his pocket, obviously. <laughs> And I've never been into music, but I was like, but I'm, as a Jew, I love a good deal. Sorry to stereotype myself. Right. Um, so I was just like, well, I got to start being into music. Uh-huh. Four CDs for five bucks. And I didn't know where to start, but I loved pro wrestling. And at the time, uh, the Insane Clown Posse was, was wrestling on ECW. And I was like, oh, there are wrestling fans. And like, I've seen them on like Howard Stern and stuff. And so like, 
I got four. I weirdly became a juggalo for a summer. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. That's yeah, yeah. I um well also there was the time when I was young was a time when they would come out with the WWF like themes where you could buy the CD of like DX and Stone Cold and I fucking love that shit and also Macho Man CD that came out the so, Man um I mean we'll get to this eventually but right. when I was a full time wrestler and I just made that transition of I'm not gonna work my full time job I'm just gonna be a full time wrestler I was essentially you know like I had made like. $7,800 the year before. And I was like, I guess I can live off that. Yeah. And so I would hustle so much that at the merch stand, I would sell bootleg Macho Man CDs for $2. Oh man, that's a steal. It's a they great flew. CD. They flew. It's a great CD that his song, which uh, I don't think we're going to get sued. I'll play it at the end of this. If uh, the, his tribute to Mr. Perfect. Yes. It's called my perfect friend. Oh my God. It's, it's beautiful. Like I genuinely was like, dude, this has got a hook. And later I had a friend named Sean who lived in Florida. Cause you have to remember that like now Macho Man is a legend. Yes. Right. But at that point, I think it was like 2003, 2004, he was kind of like a joke. Yeah. So uh, my friend Sean went to that CD release party and he said there was about 17 people in oh. somewhere in Florida. Fuck. And also I heard, I remember just Macho Man was a huge baseball fan. And he would just like be seen at baseball games in Florida all the time. Yeah, he played minor league baseball, I think. My, da my dad tricked us into uh, his, because you know how your dad used to just get to lie to you and you couldn't look it up? He told us he really played minor league baseball with Macho Man Randy Savage. And the reason we believed him is he knew his real name was Randy Poffo. Yeah. And we're like, the only way you could know that is if you played minor league baseball. Do you want to know, when you say that, the first thought of my dad lying to me is, and this comes from me being like a workout kid, is I remember like my dad would throw me around. I'll be like, oh, did, did you used to, do you work out or do you used to work out all the time? He's like, oh yeah. yeah. That guy never worked out. <laughs> Not a day in his life. Yeah, you can just, when you're dead, you really just give it to, say whatever. Okay, so, oh, quick question also. I want to know if this, um, it, it was a baseball only treat because I, my brothers played baseball, I was terrible at it, but the greatest part of baseball for me was these things called walking tacos. Did you guys have those in Illinois? Okay. Uh, I'll, ex I'll explain it. Maybe you called them something different. It was a Doritos bag. You cut the top off. Then you just dump, you crumple up the Doritos, you dump in scolding hot uh, ground beef and then some lettuce and tomatoes. And it's a taco that you just, it's called a walking taco. Never. I feel yeah. there's a, there's a thing with Fritos. Yeah, yeah, it's called a Frito pie out here now. But I'm like, that's a walking taco, baby. No, and now I'm also to go back to me being a fat kid. One of my favorite things as an umpire too was to check with the teams afterwards if there was any snacks left over for the. <laughs> Wait, so you would call the game and then you'd go over and you'd kind of pick at the snacks? I'd be like, oh, I'm so hungry. And, the, you know, like I'm like a 13-year-old kid, so of course they're going to give me the snacks. Right. And I would I would get them from both sides. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you can't play favorites. Right. Okay. Um, so then are you a camp counselor? I just interviewed Ben Warhite, and he, he was a camp counselor at a Jewish community center. Was that where you were a camp counselor or no? So I was a camp counselor at the park district, the Deerfield Park District. And essentially I did it, uh, I want to say freshman year of high school until I was 22. Okay. And then, so, I mean, it got to the point where I was a camp counselor. Then I was the director. Uh -huh. 
uh, and this was just a sports camp, nine to three, um, boys sports camp. And what, what sports did you play growing up? Or were you always just like hardcore, I want to be a wrestler? No, I played, yeah, I played all the sports. Uh, I played all the sports. Right. Uh, I sound like Trump. I played all, I played all the sports. Yeah, well, see, like, the thing is, like, um, Seth Rollins is, like, a year younger than me. Uh, and he grew up, like, you know, 60 miles down the road in, uh, like, Bettendorf. And I was like, oh, I wonder if he wrestled, because I wrestled, and we would always wrestle Bettendorf. And he did it, and I was so dis- I was so bummed out. I was like, oh, because he just – and I looked into it, and I was like, he just loved wrestling. So he was, yeah, always- he was doing backyard wrestling while you yeah. were – Yeah, while, while you I were was, like, there. at his – like, in his hometown wrestling. And I was like, damn it, because I was like, you know, I like – I'm a big fan. You know, I'm a fan of him. Think he's think he's red. But, okay, so – but you played all the sports. Yeah, and in high school I played – uh, freshman and sophomore year, I played basketball, football, and baseball. Um, and then I played a year of college football also. Oh, really? Where did you do? Where did you go? Yeah, I went to Western Michigan University. Okay, there. They did you play Iowa when you were there? We might have. Because I, I we know were, that they would play was, Western Michigan sometimes. Yeah, it was Division One A. I played for one year. I redshirted, and then I was known as the worst Division One A college football player of all time. Okay. Uh, and then I quit immediately after the season I was ready to quit the second day but I was like Scott you committed to this everyone will make fun of you at home if you told everyone you're gonna be a college football player and then you just stop the day after right. uh, you have to finish the season off and then when I finished the season off that's when I was like okay I'm gonna fulfill my dreams of being a professional wrestler but I only played college football because Jim Ross used to talk about everybody when they were on WWE like Raw would talk about everybody's college football background right. and my parents were like you can't be a, you can't you have to go to college you can't be a wrestler I was like all right fine I'll go to college and I'll be a football player because Jim Ross will talk about it and then fast forward 20 years I wrestled for AEW Jim Ross is our play-by-play guy I tell him the story and I say it's very important to say that I was a college football player <laughs> and then I had Excalibur be like yeah but he was also the worst college football player of all oh time my God, that's that's incredible like that's so funny it's like um it's just what a fun story, you know. Because I, I interviewed uh, Dolph Ziegler; he did the same thing with wrestling. Like God, you, I mean, if you could make him sound any more German by calling him Ziegler, yeah, with a I think it's Ziegler, but with a first name Dolph and then I, Ziegler. I don't, yeah, either Nick. Uh, but yeah, he like he was like, I'll get good at wrestling only so I have a story when I go only. Not, not to put your accolades down. He got really good. Yeah, he was a legend at Kent State, right? Yeah, he has the a wins record there. It was, it was uh, one match away from being an All-American. Unimportant. I, uh, I have a concussions record at Western Michigan. So. <laughs> we right? both have records. We both there have you records. go. That's so fun. Yeah, it's just so weird how, like, uh, for idiots, like, me and you and Nick, like it worked out because I was like, I'll become a biomedical engineer. That'll get me to move to LA or New York. Then I can be on Saturday Night Live. And it was like, oh, it worked. Not great. But wow, I can't believe the plan uh, actually happened. Okay. So well, same for me. I got the WWE, worked out. Not great. Yeah, <laughs> uh, they're both run by fucking idiots. Um, okay. So, but so you were really good at football in high school then. Good enough to somehow sneak on a Division One A college football team. Okay. Yes. All right, and all through high school, you're just doing uh, like 
cool stuff like uh, umpiring and then working at this. Did anything crazy happen at this camp counseling place? <sighs> um, not really. A lot of just like me and the other counselors just couldn't get enough of the moms. A lot of mom talk. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. No, but nobody was like leg got like broken in half, half. God, not that I could remember. I, you know, I'm sure because I was there friggin' eight years. I'm sure something wild, right. just not off the top of my head. And then through all this time, you're like, you're in 90s. This is the Monday Night Wars for wrestling. Like, it's like, for like, the fucking best time ever. The video games with wrestling are fun for the first time ever. So are you just like super into that? Yeah, yeah. Obsessed with, obsessed with wrestling. So everything's wrestling. Everybody at the, at the camp knows it. And it's really fun because once I started training to wrestle, you know, these camp, the kids, I, you know, they'll find me on Facebook or Twitter and they're like 30 years old, you know, and I'm like, oh God, you're a, you're a, a man. Yeah. Um, and yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just sports camps, a lot of swimming. Uh, that's where I, oh, here's a good, so that's where I learned that banana boat was good for the wrestling ring. Um, cause I would put it on at the, the pool and then I would see, I would see my reflection like in the mirror I was like, oh, this banana boat makes me look jacked. Yeah. Um, and so then I started using that as like my enhancement in the wrestling ring. Oh, incredible. Okay. So when did, so you started training for wrestling super young. Uh, yeah, I, I was 18. I was still 18. It was the summer in between freshman and sophomore year of college. And okay. then. So, yeah, so you're like, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go pro in football. I want, let's, let's do what I really actually do want to do. Yeah. And so then a good story with that is. Um, I also said to myself, well, I'm 18 years old. I'm a man now. I shouldn't be doing these camp counselor gigs. That's for kids. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to do construction. Oh, boy. No. <sighs> That's a man's gig. Right. So my friend, Kip, who actually makes my theme music, Kid Russell, uh, his dad had like was an architect and had like a 50-plot, you know, of houses, a development. Right. And so essentially they needed like sweepers and like every day you had to sweep and then someone worked and then the next day it's still there. It never went away. Um, and so I was helping on the development and in my head that was construction and it was still way too hard. Yeah. Those guys are grizzled, man. And they don't have time for 18 year olds with like they're, these guys are working for, uh, you know, child support. You are working for, you know, a new CD or, you know, whatever, right. like you, you, there's not a lot of you guys can get along about. Well, it, well, it was with my friend. Oh, Kim. really? Oh, okay. Well, yeah. then that's fun. And we, all we did was sit on the roof and freestyle uh, rap battle each other, obviously. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, my other friend, Kevin, was going to join us, and Kevin, that son of a bitch, was such a hard worker, he started, like, picking up the pace. Oh, no. Yeah, me and Kip, huge slackers. Kevin comes. He's such a workhorse, yeah. and he, at that time, it's, like, 1998. He's on so much, like, Exenadrin. Remember that stuff? I remember, um, like, in load. Yeah, and hydroxy cut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he is amped up, and then <laughs> I was, at that point, at that point, I broke my, my buddy Kip's dad's um, lawnmower. I didn't know lawnmowers could shoot fire. That turned out to be a thing. Wait, what? <laughs> They're not supposed to. So I, like, I don't know what I'm doing. He's just like, here's this giant lawnmower. Cut the edges of the grass. And then there was mulch. And then I think the mulch <laughs> got into it. Okay. It yeah. shoots out fire. 
it dies. I'm sure that was a $2,500 lawnmower uh, minimum. Yeah. Um, I could tell that uh, Kip's dad was not happy with me. <laughs> you're also not, you're not young. It's not like you're 15. You're in college. Right. Yeah. But n nobody taught me how to do a lawnmower. No, I know, but I'm saying it's, it's if it was like a 15-year-old, he'd be like, ah, it's the lady. But you're like, <laughs> you're a D1 athlete. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I made a quick call to the park district and I was like, hey. I'm, uh, I'm back in. Yeah. And it was a good deal because, I, well, what happened is I was working quote unquote construction in the morning and then I was going to wrestle. I was learning how to wrestle at night. So I was training to wrestle. So I was just exhausted. Right. And then um, the uh, the park district was like, actually, like we, we filled all our roles, but we need a floating substitute, which was great. Yeah. So I just went, I mean, everyone, you know, everyone always wants a day off. I'm there to give you a day off. Easy. Yeah. So everyone's stoked. You're there. You get to do different things. That's the, that's a perfect situation. You're just like, uh, what I, I can't even think what it's called. Uh, a utility player. Yes. That's great. And uh, then yeah, go ahead. later with the park district, I would get a, uh, so like the camp was like eight weeks and then there's still a little bit, or maybe it was six weeks and there's still a little bit before school. Okay. Uh, and then there was um, um, a field trip camp, which like was just to get rid of the kids. But uh -huh. those are some of my favorite memories because essentially we went on a field trip every single day and I was paid to like go play laser tag and go to the water park. Yeah. Uh, the movies. I mean, every day was a new excursion. That's, that's incredible. I, I remember in, um, in my, where I went to school, if you got in trouble, like big trouble, three times throughout the year, you couldn't go on field trips anymore. And it would, I would always be done by like, like October, like no more field trips for me. And all that would happen was slowly they would go on field trips and leave me and all of my best friends who were awful, like in, with one teacher in charge. And we'd just destroy their day. And it was the best, like yeah. we would just leave the bad kids and we'd be like, it's just us. This right. is fucking great. And makes for the best day. It's yeah, all I didn't want to. I don't want to go to the goddamn fish hatchery. I want to <laughs> sit here and figure out how to download World of Warcraft onto this computer. <laughs> yeah, okay. I agree. It's, it's who you're with, isn't it? Sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, so you're you are doing this. You're go what would, do you remember a movie you got to see with a bunch of kids? Uh, I do because it's one of my claim to fames. It's the summer I saw Viva Rock Vegas twice in the theaters. <laughs> <laughs> that's, not, that's not even the john goodman one right uh no I don't, I, I don't believe it was the guy from the british one where they were naked or whatever yeah yeah because there's the there's the flintstones with john goodman and yeah. then there's the one with not john goodman and that's yeah. that one <laughs> yeah i had seen it with my i think i'd seen it with my brother for some reason he wanted to see it and then next the next day we literally went on a field trip to it i had no choice right. um pretty good claim to fame though yeah, I mean, so you've seen Viva Rock. You are a Viva Rock Vegas historian. Essentially. Uh, okay, so you're doing all this. This is how you're making money. It sounds like a pretty good gig. Sounds like a pretty fun way to grow up. You're learning how to wrestle. Uh, do you finish school at Western Michigan? Yeah, yeah, that was part of the deal was uh, I couldn't be a wrestler until I finished school, and then I hated football so much, and I was like, Mom, I'm an adult. I'm 18 years old. Yeah. I, I need to be a wrestler. And uh, she was like, yeah, okay, but you have to finish college. And so essentially, I started training the summer in between freshman and sophomore year. In my head, I would then go to school, come back 
the summer of sophomore and junior year and then finish my training and maybe start wrestling when I was a junior or senior. But I mean, little did I know that like a division one, a athlete is like, they couldn't believe he walked into this school. I thought it was going to be like a school of all division one, a athletes and I'd be the worst. So, I mean, I picked it up and I loved wrestling. And so I picked it up very quick. I was, I was wrestling already before the next school year started. Okay. And so just a, just a quick good up to that. What was the school? Where was the school? Kalamazoo, Michigan. Oh, cool. oh, uh, uh, the, the wrestling school. The wrestling school, yeah. yeah I was like, I was, perfect, right where you can live. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was uh, Portage Park in, uh, in Chicago, right on Six Corners there. Okay. On Irving Park. Uh, and that's great. That's, like, right in there. That's yeah. a fun place to just hang out. Well, I, you know, I, it's kind of funny because I thought I was some kind of, like, road warrior, you know, driving every day from Deerfield to Portage Park, which was, like, 20 minutes Right. I was like, I'm really paying my dues driving into the city every day. Yeah. Well, I, I lived in Lake Zurich and would drive in every day to do open mics. And I was, I honestly felt the same way. And I was like, nah, this is your very, yeah, it, uh, unimportant. So, but who are your favorite wrestlers that you wanted to get into wrestling? Like what happened with Scott that he was just like, dude, I got to do this. Was there a event you went to? Cause WWE would come through often. Yeah. My, yeah, my dad took, I, dude, I just saw it when I was a kid. I, like, short story is, like, I, my dad was a casual watcher. Yeah. I remember him watching, like, Andre the Giant on WWF getting his haircut, which I look back now, it was, like, 1983, so I was, like, three years old. And I don't know, man, like, you know, I'm from that era of, like, sports and He-Man. And, like, wrestling, pro wrestling was just, like, the mixture of it. Yeah. You know, like, it was crazy characters, but also athleticism. And that was the one I stuck to. I loved it. Every anyone who was on TV was like a legend to me. Mm-hmm. Um, even like there was like the scrub Barry Horowitz was the guy that lost every match. Right. Um, but you know, like I remember, and I got to like meet him this year, and he did some stuff on my podcast, and I was just like, dude, you know, like he just thought he was like some loser guy, but I was like, dude, you were like a Jewish wrestler on TV. Like you told me I could do it. Yeah. You know. And even though he lost every match, I was like, I can't believe this guy's on TV named Horowitz. I can do it. Right. Also, but like you are uh, a a smart person who like enjoy, understands that like those characters are the fun characters to play. These like hapless losers. Like for me as an adult, like if I get, you know, an audition for like a cool guy, I'm like, I don't want to be a cool guy, but it's a fucking absolute idiot. I'm like, oh, I love being an absolute idiot. It's so much more fun for me and easier. Yeah, but it's different on the pay scale for pro wrestlers. <laughs> Is it? Yeah, okay. I guess that guy doesn't have a lot of belts. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so you just grew up loving it. Who was like, um, I mean, this is just interesting. Who are, who are like your, your like guys in high school when you're, you know, peak like, this guy's the best? Yeah, yeah. I mean, when I was in high school, it was like NWO and, you know, I yeah. grew up Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage and um, – Mr. Perfect, and I love Vader, I guess. Oh, man, I love Vader. Remember when Vader was on Boy Meets World? Yeah, I asked him about it, and he didn't remember it. <laughs> didn't even know. he. So he was on my podcast, but this we did this thing called WrestleCon where you just like – it's kind of like um, uh, uh, maybe like um, – a comedy, you know, like right. a... Well, like the We Watch Wrestling guys go there. Who, who, yes. A lot of them have been on this podcast. Yeah, so there's a WrestleCon and there was like a brunch with wrestlers 
And like me and Vader were the two wrestlers at this brunch and you could eat with us. And then like no one was talking. So me and my friend Marty DeRosa started asking, who was also a comic in Chicago. Who's the very best? Good. Yeah, what, what an incredibly funny comic from who I should, who I should hit up. The reason, what's nice about quarantine is I get to interview people who don't necessarily live in Los Angeles. It's great. Yeah. I got to bug Marty, but go on. I'm sorry. Please have him on. Yeah. Um, and we're like, hey, uh, you know, like what was it like being on? And like we, he didn't know what he was talking about. And then we had to explain to him, like there was the kid, Ben Savage, and the other kid, and you were in the ring. He goes, he goes, and then it was on the TV. He goes, oh, that was on a TV show. Like he didn't, <laughs> he didn't understand that it was for a TV show. <laughs> He just thought they was playing with kids on, I, I don't know. On the, on, the, on the fucking ABC lot or whatever. That's the funniest thing I've ever heard. Okay, so, so yeah, you're just growing up in like the best age of pro, of, for me, well, I guess whenever you're in eighth, ninth, 10th grade is gonna be your favorite time of pro wrestling. Yeah, well, as a childhood, it was good because I was born, like I got hooked on the Hulk Hogan age. Uh-huh. Then it got really like bad. And then I found ECW, which was like, wrestling for adults yeah and then wwe like realized that wrestling for adults was way cooler than wrestling for kids so they kind of spin their stuff so then they spin their stuff when i was like basically becoming you know an adult 17 18 years old so yeah i got two really good eras right um dude i i love that dark i love dark side of the ring like it's real. it's really great and well done but i could not watch that fucking new jack episode where he uh, stabbed the kid a bunch. And I was like, I'm done with this episode. Yeah, and what's wild is like that, you know, we look back and like fantasize on it or romanticize it now. But I remember, you know, because I'm immersed in the world, I remember like as it was happening, it was all really sad, you know? Yeah, yeah. Oof, that, that, that one was tough. Oh, but uh, the if, listeners, if you haven't seen, there's this uh, good doc, there's a good, it's on YouTube, Dark Side of the Ring. Uh, Bru- uh, Brody the Bruiser is like the most insane Bruiser thing Brody, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you should watch, what What was it called? His name's Bruiser Brody, but... Bruiser Brody, yeah, just watch that. That was fucking wild. Yeah, these are like 30 for 30s for wrestling. Yes. Done on, done on Vice. Very good, very good shows. Yeah, yeah. don't watch New Jack. He stabs, a, he stabs <laughs> a fat kid. It sucks real bad. It sucks real bad. Okay, so you're into all this. Now you're, you go to this school. You have some sort of idea on like how to be athletic. So you get to start wrestling right away. Yeah, yeah. The first thing I do is I start help putting up rings. And then essentially, it's kind of, you know, it's got to be like comedy. Like essentially, like somebody didn't show up and I was there and I wasn't ready to wrestle, but they're like, we need a wrestler. Yeah. And then this guy's like, I'm just there putting up the ring because that's like what you do, paying some dues. You know, I just want to be around wrestling. I want to absorb everything. Mm-hmm. And they're like, hey, can you wrestle? And then I asked my trainer, I was like, I'm already. And they're like, well, if you put him in something easy, he can do it. And so then, yeah, my first match uh, was in, I believe, June of 1999 at Fort Atkinson Fort Fest in Wisconsin. Fort Atkinson, Wisconsin. Oh, yeah. And I wrestled a man named Eric Freedom who was dressed up as Doink the Clown, not the real Doink the Clown. (laughs) Jeez, that's solid. And uh, I wrestled as the goon. And they told me to go buy some pantyhose and an all-denim outfit with with, – well, they would call it a wife beater, but that doesn't sound right anymore, does it? I mean, it's we all know what it is. Wife yeah. Beater. Yeah, I mean, that's what it's, uh, yeah, You're a Kid Rock shirt. A Kid Rock shirt. <laughs> and button it at the very top. And so that was my first outfit was a pantyhose over my head as a goon number two. Okay. Uh, and I, I got, like, afterwards, he gave me 20 bucks. I couldn't fucking believe it. 
Right. That's the $1. coolest thing ever. Yeah, you're like, what? I was, dude, man. That was, that is very fun. It is very similar. It, the comedy and pro wrestling are so similar of like, do we do this for free, man? And then it gets to the point of like, you got to pay me more, dude. This is hard. Yeah. yeah, but even at that point in my life, $20 was so much money. Uh-huh. And especially like cash. Right. I and- have- I lived off of, uh, I hosted a Wednesday show in Iowa City and I lived off $50 a week, like fully lived uh, all through college. It was incredible. Yeah, yeah. I, and then, and so essentially when, when school started, I started going to school and then wrestling on the weekends. Mm-hmm. And like luckily, so when I graduated college, I like restarted my life essentially where like I didn't want any handouts, you know, but I didn't even want to go to college. I wanted to wrestle. My parents were like, go to college. We'll pay for it. What were you going to school for? Uh, I don't know. Business? Yeah, business. They were like, go to school. I was like, what do I go for? Yeah. I guess business runs the world, right? You know what? Sure. Yeah. And like in my head a little bit, I was like, oh, maybe I'll learn how to, the business of pro wrestling. You know, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. That was your thesis. Like when they were like, you write something about yourself and you're, or, you, you pick what you want. And you're like, okie dokie. And they're yeah. like, not this. <laughs> also, I, I did a theater class and like part of it was you had to go, go see plays. And I was like, I told the woman, I was like, I on the road every week being in a play. And like, yeah. I got credit for that. That was great. Oh, that is great. Because that's yeah, yeah. the other thing that like is that is uh, incredible about pro wrestling is like it's like any like anybody who turns their nose up to it is the same idiot who would turn their nose up to like South Park because it's like a cartoon or whatever. I'm like, mm. you're a fucking idiot. That's the best satire on television. You don't think pro wrestling's cool? These are improvisers who are also in amazing shape and athletic. You're fucking nuts. Yeah. It's like because you are you are like the highest level improvisers on the planet because you have, you have to do it. You fucking cut promos and have to do goddamn backflips. <laughs> and you, yeah, you, you, you do whatever the audience, you have to adjust to the audience. You have to. Right. Uh, so yeah. Something I love is taking either, uh, you know, my comedian friends who have never seen wrestling, like not to like an arena show, but like to a, a gritty man. Some of these independent shows are so good. I remember cause I do the fringe, the Edinburgh fringe festival every year. Yep. And so we would do, I, I would do my comedy show at the Fringe, but I would also wrestle there. And then you start taking these comedians to the wrestling and it just, it blows their mind because it's not this giant arena. It's 400 people in a bar who are going fucking nuts in Glasgow, yeah. you know? There was this, there's this great, I'm sure you've done it, uh, amazing festival in, um, in Denver called uh, Lucha Libres and Laughs. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I went and did it one time and it's a wrestling match. And then stand up, wrestling match, stand up. And then after you do your set, then you get to call the match. Yeah. And it was the most fucking perfect combination of two things where like everyone's happy. Every, it's like the most positive, fun, gritty, awesome. I can't uh, recommend going to that enough if you live in Denver. Or yeah, I remember I was pissed that you were on the show and I wasn't on the show. Also, I don't know if the uh, building name holds up though. Oh, what was it? The Egyptian or something? Or I forget. The Oriental. Okay, yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I don't know. <laughs> Can't all be perfect, right? Right. No, 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 no. But it, to be fair, it is in the, you know, how uh, Denver used to be in China. Um, unimportant. I'm joking. Okay. So, so you go, you've taken these classes. You're immediately, they're like, goon number two actually didn't fuck up. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. I remember the guy who had me on the show, Rock and Randy. 
uh, was just like, great name. I love the idea. I could just drop that. And you didn't even flinch at that. Also. Well, I was just about to say, that's what's so fun about small, indi- like the small scenes, like, dude, the like guys who put on the shows that I started it in Iowa were just all, every one of them could have been rock and Randy. Like, <laughs> Just hair like they're from fucking poison or white snake. Mm-hmm. You know, like the 80s haven't stopped for these guys. And what's weird is like I did a lot of a lot of drives with him and like he 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 was one who helped mold my comedic sense, not necessarily timing or whatever, but like, you know, these guys are Rock and Randy at the time was a 31-year-old man who acted like a 12-year-old. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, like buttercupping the toll people, you know, just uh, just uh, a maniac. Wait, what's buttercupping the toll people? Oh, when you fart in your hand and then like... Oh my God, Rock and Randy, what the fuck? Okay, but I, I would expect nothing less from Rock and Randy. Yeah, and so right away I get thrown into this job that's just full of the most immature people in the world. Right. Pro wrestlers, especially at this level. Well, that's that. Yeah, pro wrestlers at a at a small regional level. Yeah, which I uh, I'm working on a TV show right now about the uh, small town entertainers around Iowa. Like the, how each there's not just Los Angeles entertainment. There's not just New York. There is Northeast Iowa entertainment. There is Northeast Illinois entertainment. And like those characters are the weirdest, most interesting people in the world. Yes. Well, if you need a wrestler for the uh, for the show, oh, please, 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 yeah, yeah. Well, you know, hopefully, you know, if anything ever gets to get made again. But I'm just saying, like these Rock and Randy characters fucking rule, even though they do stuff that you as an adult are like, oh god, Rock and Randy, don't do that. Yeah, but I knew, like, oh, I I have good parents, and this is just like this is like vacation for me. It's not real life, right? Right. Um, but but eventually, it molded into uh, real life, right? Yeah, because now you fart in your hand and throw it at strangers all the time. Yeah. So you're driving around, you're doing this. Uh, are you, you actually start making money on it. You graduate college. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, so I, uh, so going back to the magazine, I, I had to get an internship um, while I was wrestling and I was doing pretty good at wrestling. Like I was making, you know, not, not crazy, but like, I, so I remember I would just keep all my cash in like uh, in the middle console of my car and it got to a point where like it really started building up and I was just like, good Lord, I, you know, I have a lot of money. This is pretty wild. Right. Uh, I had, I had to do an internship for my business school. Um, so my dad, who's in the, um, he was in the um, apparel industry. He sold men's clothing for like 35 years. Okay. Uh, he knew a guy in Kalamazoo named Mr. B of Mr. B's warehouse. All right. And he sold basically like, ugh, I would, it's like Ross, but worse. Well, that sounds pretty good. <laughs> right. Like, that sounds like goodwill. Yeah, essentially. And he, he ran the, he ran that uh, Southwest Michigan uh, whole corner. And my job for a whole, I would say uh, maybe seven or eight weeks was I, um, I made boxes. Okay. You just, you just folded them up. Yeah. But this is pre-podcast, so what are you listening to? Just whatever's on Rock 108? Yes, with the locals. Yeah. Oof. And it was the worst. Yeah. Just the worst. Like, I wanted, I wanted to learn business of some sort, and no one, like, they don't put you on, take you under your wing. They don't tell you how it works. They just go fold boxes, and then you'll have the credit. Right. That's, I got, 
pulled underneath someone's wing. When I had my internship in Lake Zurich, it was at this really nice medical place. And the guy who hired me was really, this is just like for listeners general, if you're going to get an internship, he told me, he goes, basically don't blow anything up and be cool to be around. And you did a great job this summer. And I was like, really? He's like, we expect nothing out of interns. I was just like, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And so I just hung out all summer and got paid. It was great. But don't you want to learn what real life's about? Not if I didn't want to do engineering anyway. (laughs) Well, I mean, I think I wanted to do business of some sort, but I mean, I I wanted nothing to do with boxes. Okay. So you folded boxes for eight months. Then you go back to Western Michigan. They go, you did it. Yeah. Eight weeks, eight weeks, eight weeks. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, Yeah. Then I graduate and um, I'm not there. Like I want to do full-time wrestling, but my, again, my parents, they're like, you have to get something. Yeah. Yes. You Uh, can't be, you can't be rocking Randy's right hand (laughs) man. Which is a, that's a great tongue twister actually. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) You do. I'm rocking Randy's right hand guy. (laughs) Whatever Randy needs, rocking Randy gets. (laughs) So I, uh, through the park district, uh, one of the guys, one of the guys who was a counselor who was kind of my age also didn't know what he wanted to do with his life. I knew I wanted to be a wrestler, but he was just like floating. Right. He, he was like, I'm a teaching assistant over at the junior high school. He said, Hey, uh, you can be a teaching assistant. You can get benefits, uh, Monday through Friday, eight to three. And then in my head, it was just like, I, you know, uh, Tracy Smothers, who's a legendary wrestler, always was like, you got to get a real job to support your wrestling habit. And I wasn't looking for a real job, real job. I just wanted something that would let me wrestle on the weekends, would give me, I guess, benefits or a little more money to figure it out. And so uh, for two years, I was a teaching assistant with uh, kids with special needs in junior high school. Uh, is this in Deerfield or where? Yeah, Deerfield at Shepherd, Jun- Shepherd Middle, high- Middle Junior High School. Okay. And is, is uh, the independent wrestling circuit a lot like stand-up where most shows are on the weekends? Yeah. Basically, all shows are on the weekends. Yeah. Well, I mean, I just know like house shows for WWF are, you know, blah, 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 blah. No, but, you know, at this point, like, I w- there wasn't a lot of work. It's very different than stand-up because there wasn't a lot of work in Chicago and I remember hearing like a Jimmy Pardo podcast once where he was like yeah of course I went seven hours to do an open mic and then came home and like that that related to me because that's what it you know basically every week I was driving to with some with friends so it was very fun but we were driving to Kentucky and Ohio and Minneapolis and there wasn't a lot of work in Chicago so it was work you know during the week in the and then drive somewhere for 14 hours. Yeah. I mean, that's how I did it. Because I would drive to Chicago while I was going to University of Iowa for open mics. And that, you know, round trip is like 10 and a half hours on a fucking mm-hmm. Tuesday or whatever. So, but it's fun. It's like, you, you, it makes when you are doing your performance that much more, it means so much more. Because you're like, dude, I fucking, I need to make this worth it. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you're learning, you're in it. Um, and then I always tell, like, at least on my podcast, because I always think that's a really fun part is that transition of uh, if you're a full-time artist, the, the moment you quit your job, because you, you're obviously so good that you could do it full-time, so you're doing it the most amount, and then you're also working a full-time job. So there's that like Venn diagram, to go back to that, is so full of like 
amount of hours put in between your real job and then the art that you're doing because you're good at it. And so you're making money. Yeah. I, I like was so skinny when I got SNL because I was full-time engineer and then full, just, you know, working comedy that I didn't have time to eat. Like I would, I ate Lunchables and then would use, it was, it was wild. And I loved it. It was so exciting. I was getting, you know, you're getting no sleep, but right. you, it, there's nothing more fun than when you think it's going to work out after years of trying. Uh, my recommendation would have been to check out the Little League games. Free food there. You can. <laughs> well, you got to ump. That way you can get in there. No, yeah. I, was just, I was just crushing Lunchables in my car all the time. I still love Lunchables. Um, well, they're, so, they're great. So I, there was, I got so kind of, not to brag, I got so good at wrestling that I was working as a teaching assistant, and then this guy offered me uh, a show in, in London. Okay. And, like, that's crazy. So I was, like, I had to tell the principal, like, can I leave? The, like, and the, the principal was so cool that he, like, he got what I was doing. Yeah. You know? That's, and that's incredible. Years later, uh, or actually around the same time, there was a wrestler named Matt Stryker who, got, who did the same job as me and went on a tour of uh, Japan and used his sick days and it became a national headline in New York because he got caught. So oh, wow. it, it's the difference. And Matt Stryker ended up because of that signing with the WWF, but yeah. it, it was, it's, it was the difference between the principal and the principal got that this was my passion mm. and he let me go to London. And at that point I was like, you know, I came home with more, it got to the point where I was making more money in a weekend than I was, I was doubling the money in a weekend for wrestling than I would make from two weeks for a check at the junior high school. Right. But, but also what's nice about this, uh, your, you know, day job was, it sounds like it was a good fucking, a nice day job that was probably rewarding in its own self. Very rewarding. And I always said like, it was so, so sad that I was just so tired all the time. Mm. And like, cause I loved working with the kids, but I, it was so hard to wake up at seven every morning after right. getting home. Sunday, you know, sometimes Monday morning at, at 3 a.m. or whatever it might be. Yeah, that's insane. Okay, so you're doing all that. Wrestling starts, like, picking up. You do, It's going great. Like, what was in, you know, what's, like, the first big break that you got? When did you come up with Colt Cabana instead of goon number two? Oh, oh that was early on, you know, just yeah. early on. I just started, you know, there's a, a group of us that were just traveling, and I feel we we wanted it a little more than the – the the local rock and randies of the world right and we you know the same way in comedy where you find that similar group the comedians you should know if you will you find your group that's no that's literally who it was because i i was solo in a drift in iowa doing it doing stand-up but with a lot of rock and randies and then <laughs> when i got went to chicago for the internship was the first time i met other 20 year olds who were like we want to do this and it mm -hmm. was the, literally the comedians you should know and i was like holy shit, I'm not alone. This is incredible. Yeah. So that was, yeah. I mean, in my 20s, there was a group of us and we just kept, you know, for three or four weeks, years, we just kept traveling and traveling and getting better and, and learning from the ones, but, you know, and, and then those shows, there's like, there's the, the veterans who are fired from WWF or who are coming out of our shows. And then, you know, we get to learn from them and they realize that we're good. So they like us because we're young and hungry. We want to pick their brains. We want to learn how to wrestle. And yeah. And, and then and, some of your friends started getting picked up to, you know, the, the next leagues or whatever. Well, essentially, I mean, that's how I got in WWE was it got to a point where everyone was just there and they're like, uh, Colt's the best. There's no reason why he shouldn't be here. Mm -hmm. uh, 
Um, but yeah, yeah. Who was, your, like first, who was your first friend that you were like, who, like the first guy you knew? So for, the, for me, it was the first person that was Hannibal Burris when he got hired to write on SNL. And I was like, I just like, I know him. Like I, he, if we, we hang out, like, holy shit. Like what the fuck? Who is the, that guy for you? Yeah, there was a guy named Paul London and Spanky, who's Brian Kendrick, who's Brian's in WWE right now. But uh, yeah, Paul London was 21, just a kid. And he got plucked and they loved him. And he got, you know, like four days ago, just like that, you know, like, or four weeks ago, like we were sleeping in the airport together. And now he was on Monday Night Raw wrestling Brock Lesnar or whatever. Yeah. Um, and you're just like, what the fuck? And it, it, it takes the mystique away. And now it feels possible, which is amazing. Yeah, very. Yeah. And then he would like let me come. And then like I would, you know, when they were local and I would go out to eat with him and then you meet the other wrestlers and you're just like, ha like I want it like, oh, they're just like me. They're not because they're on TV and I suck, but fuck, it's obtainable. Right. Yeah. So then so and then you go, how long were you with Ring of Honor? Because when I was in college is when the hardcore wrestling guys were just like, like, you know, fuck WWF, Ring of Honor's where it's at. And I was I was digging it, but I was also real basic and a huge John Cena versus <laughs> Edge fan. You know, like, I remember, like, when John Cena F-U'd Edge through two tables, uh, that was, like, probably, you know, peak drunk me loving wrestling. <laughs> right, which we, Ring of Honor wasn't, you weren't our demographic at the time. Right, no, I was just a drunk, like, it, here's how we got into it in college, was we were like, it'd be fun if we got high and watched and watched, uh, you know, Monday Night Raw like we used to. And then, like, you know, that happened a few weeks. And then the third week is like, we don't have any weed. I'm like, that's fine. We're watching this anyway. <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah Ring of Honor, I, uh, 2001 or 2002. And then up until I got signed by WWE in 2007. And essentially, yeah, we were like, it was, you know, it was the young, hungry kids you know it was like uh you know we were the state compared to laughing or whatever it is right you know? no it was uh, my friends were like so ups like the the guys were who really really love wrestling were just like dude ring like fuck your fuck cena you know and all that and i'm like whoa whoa, whoa. You know? yeah and then you know all of that essentially we were the um we were the misfits the ones that at that point the ones that weren't on steroids that were ones that weren't six five the ones that um, you know took too many risks and didn't play it safe, and then the wrestling industry really changed. You know, the same way comedy probably changed in that way. But uh, you know, now you know Daniel Bryan, who was like in WrestleMania, like he led a, that yes move, movement. Like he was one of our big guys in Ring of Honor, and you know, big time wrestling society said no to him for so long because he didn't look the part. But now, luckily, wrestling has changed, and you know, you don't have to look a specific way. Right. You just have to be good, and he's the man. So yeah, that's great. That's it's it's awesome. It's also weird how, and I mean, we both have been fired by uh, maniac billionaires. Uh, <laughs> it's weird how, like that, like to me, and I'm, maybe Vince is the same. Uh, I'm not saying anything negative about SNL, but just like kind of that how like Lauren is in charge of this dynasty. Um, but he's old as fuck. He's crazy. He's a crazy yeah. guy. Yeah, and Vince is older, and I feel crazier. Yeah, my I pitched it one time. Uh, I met with somebody, and I was like, they they had written for WWE, and I was like, yeah, I get what it's like to work for kind of like a crazy old guy. And they're like, what if your crazy old guy was on steroids too? Yeah. And I was like, ooh, yeah. you're right. You know, I use um, I use the SNL uh, logic to. Um, to help myself a lot when I got fired. So essentially I got hired to WWE, not because um, 
because they scouted me, but because like I said, so many people were like, Colt's the best. You should sign him. Nobody understood my humor. Nobody understood me as a wrestler. I don't look like John Cena. So you have to kind of know me as a wrestler to enjoy my charisma and, and character. Uh-huh. And I kind of got, uh, you know, fired very quickly. And when, t- when, t- when saying to my friends, like, or saying to, to other people or, and saying to myself, it's like, just like comedians, they work so hard. And then the top of the, the bill is Saturday Night Live. And you think like, well, there's nothing bigger. And then I would think to myself, people like yourself and Jenny Slate and Rob Riggle and Sarah Silverman. And I would say, you know, like, hey, just, you know, it wasn't meant to be, but these comedians are still amazing and look at the career they're doing and what they're doing. That's so, that's very, very nice because I look at Jenny Slate and Rob Riggle and all those people, I'm like, those are really great comedians. Uh, (laughs) But I, yeah, SNL did not fit for me like WWE didn't fit for you because no, it is really good, but I'm not a great sketch performer. I should I should have just done updates, and they wanted me to be a, uh, in sketches. I'm like, I don't know how to do that. Just let me talk. Uh, maybe I shouldn't be on this show. And they were like, yeah, you're probably right. Oh, well, WWE, I, I WWE, WWE was, was good, too, but I'm not a good wrestler, so. <laughs> you know, you're a great wrestler. No, uh, they just didn't know how to fucking deal with you, man. It's so stupid. I was, yeah, either way. <laughs> uh, but it ended up working out because then you go create your own path, which, like, here's how I feel like maybe you and I can get along the most. Like, uh, I felt like I got to, w, I got to SNL and I, I, I did not enjoy a second of it because I was terrified the whole time. I was like, this isn't, I'm not doing well. And then when I got fired, I'm like, okay, now I'm going to build my own path and I'm going to enjoy that as mm-hmm. opposed to being afraid of it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and my own destiny. And I, I thought I put all my eggs in the basket of WWE. And when I got fired, I had no eggs. And I realized like, oh, I, I have to have my own basket so no one can ever fire me from anything ever again. I hated the feeling so much. Um, and yeah, and I didn't want that feeling ever again. And yeah. Essentially, yeah, it, I have a lot of it. Exactly. Yeah, you went and made your own thing and you fucking traveled the world and like everyone fucking loves Cole Cabana who loves wrestling, which is fucking dope. Uh, and it's just, I'm stoked that you got to do the podcast, man. I really appreciate it. And now you're on AEW, which to me is the ring of honor of right now, the cool kids, the fucking what you should be watching, rad as shit. Oh, and I do want to ask, what's it like? So you guys are doing, you're doing wrestling with, in front of uh, no audiences. What, what, what the fuck is that like? Uh, well, first of all, yeah, I like to think of myself as the Andy Kindler of, uh, of wrestling now. Like I'm, I was there then and now like they let the old guy come into the cool, uh, the cool part. Um, well, that's not a bad guy to be in wrestling. He was pretty funny when he did it. He's the man, one of my favorites, of course. Oh, the funniest guy ever. Okay, yeah. Uh, wrestling in front of – yeah, it's weird, man. I, I did something the other night, like, on TNT where I did this thing where, like, Sammy Guevara flicked me off, and then I flicked him off, and then he put two finger, double fingers in my face, and then I did this thing, and I was like, way, and I put two swear fingers in his face, and I was like – like, in that moment, I got really sad because I was like, if there was a crowd there, I just, like – I just played the crowd so they would like love that. We just did a thing, you know, it's like writing a bit. I wrote a bit that would end in a beautiful punchline with the crowd going crazy. And like, it was just like a couple wrestlers being like, you know, doing it cause they had to. Yeah. Uh, and it made me really sad in the moment. Um, but luckily I'm such a great wrestler that nobody saw it. <laughs> <laughs> it's wild. I mean, yeah, I don't, I mean, 
it sucks that our professions are to draw crowds. <laughs> but it's wonderful that I, I, I still have, I get a, now, like, I have been independent since WWE, and I, like, I made a decision. I thought AEW was so great. I was like, you know what? I'm going to sign a contract. I hate contracts. I hate authority. I hate anyone telling me anything to do. But I just thought it was the best thing to do. And this was, like, in, like, February. Right. To sign a guaranteed contract. Yeah. Oh. Unreal. Yeah. Unreal. That is, uh, yeah, that's the almost the opposite of I could have shot my special February 2nd or, and then I was like, you know what I want? I want to do 20 more shows before I do it. Let's do it April 2nd. And now it's just gone. Oh, uh, but oh, well, I'll go do it. I'll, uh, I'll do it to no crowd. And then I, I, it can't be my fault when it's not good. I'll be like, that was pretty good. Um, uh, can I? I, there's a couple. There's one job that I just. I, we don't have to go into it long, but no, no, this is great. That I didn't. I didn't get into it. I used to take little jobs. My my friend worked for um, like a concession company on the beach in Chicago on North Avenue. Ooh. And I worked uh, Grant Park shoot the bull once, and I worked uh, as the nacho vendor. Okay. And I just, I came up with the hidden nacho, which I believe in strongly is you have all the nachos and then you put the one you put one single nacho in the where the cheese would go okay and and then you squish the cheese over that yeah when you're done with your nachos you get the hidden nacho and it is the greatest nacho wait you so that's a thing now i mean i invented this when i was 18 yeah i'm just saying have you ever got nachos that you think you're done and there's that one nacho drenched in nacho cheese no but i personally love that no i would i would create the hidden nacho but it wasn't hidden i knew i was getting to it yeah i was making it for people they didn't know you've been you've been a man of the people ever since then okay we will we'll end it with here what was like the last job so wait the last job was you working as this teacher's assistant Yes. And what was the moment where you had to be like, hey, look, I'm too busy with this, doing this, and I'm sure the principal was like, I'm happy for you? Yeah, yeah. I just, I, I realized, I think, you know, I did it for two years, and I realized early in the second year that I'm making, I, I can do, I think I can do this. Right. I think I could do wrestling full time. And when the school year ended, the first thing I did was move to England, and I wrestled uh, in England for three months, which is a whole nother story. Um, but, How's England, uh, how's England wrestling fans versus American wrestling fans? Well, there, there's, um, you know, like they have like this, like almost like better Santa's village circuit. Do you know what a Santa's village is? No, man. I don't even know. It's like six flags, but the worst. Okay. Yeah. And they have this circuit called Butlins camps uh, all over the country and they as part of the entertainment you go there it's like Disneyland for people who can't afford to leave England okay and then they have entertainment and part of the entertainment is wrestling and so you just go from town to town to town to the different Butlins camps and you just wrestle for people who are staying at Butlins resorts and you do I did you know I did like 85 matches in 70 days and you just learn how to be a wrestler so it's just like it, it's not the hardcores it's just people Right. And that's, those are, I mean, that's like um, the difference between going to like me going to UCB and like, that's like WWE fans. And then me going to a mall in Syracuse. And it's like, if you can get both of those people interested, right. Doing a great job. Yeah. Butlins would be the yuck yucks of uh, professional wrestling. <laughs> I remember before, before we did, um, 
uh, uh, I got a note before we did Montreal Comedy Festival. It's a big, you know, it's a big comedy festival, and there's a warm up when you do new faces. And they were like, you give an option as a new face. They're like, do you want to do a warm up? We're gonna do it at Yuck Yucks. And somebody who had done it the year before me, maybe Nick Turner, was like, do not do the warm up at Yuck Yucks. You will doubt your entire life. And so I passed on it. And I'm really glad I did because my friends who came back were like, what the fuck, man? This set's terrible. Yeah. Oh. Uh, okay. So, um, and okay, coolest. And also, what's like, what's wrestling in Japan like? I mean, are they the, the best fans or? Yeah. You know, what's cool for me is that I got like this new life in New Japan basically 20 years. And, you know, I've been wrestling in Japan since two, I've been going over there and touring since 2006, 2005. Mm -hmm. But New Japan is essentially the biggest wrestling promotion in Japan. So, you know, I was wrestling for littler promotions and then I got kind of got 20 years into my career. You know, I got this opportunity in Japan to tag with this other kind of comedic wrestler, Yano, and we became this comedic tag team duo. So it was so great because I didn't have to like murder my body. We were, we essentially did, I, I mean, I would come back and I would be like, I just did an, S an SNL skit like out there. Like we didn't, I didn't fall. We had all these jokes in the thing. Um, and so for that, it, it's crazy because, you know, the wrestling there, they love the hard hitting. They just love that storytelling. But we were such a curveball that people really enjoyed our shtick. So, um, but again, I've been going to Japan for, four, for 14, 15 years now. And it's just incredible. It's, it's you know, it, it, it's great to go for two to three weeks. You don't want to stay more. <laughs> You don't want to go less, you know. That's the sweet. Yeah, part. it's a long flight. Let's get it in, but then they're like, oh, "God damn, I kind of want to sleep in a in a bed that fits." Uh, I don't understand anybody. Yeah. Also, that might have been. That's not racist to think Japan has small beds. Do they have small beds? They have small beds and hard beds also. Okay. All right. They're and small rooms. I remember I wrestled on my first tour. Man, there's a guy named Bison Smith. He used to play. Uh, rest in peace. He was an amazing man, but he played football at Colorado. And he was like 6'5", 290, just full of steroids. And just watching him go into this room oh, they every said, night. They said Andre – I'm sure you, want, you know this, but on an Andre the Giant documentary, they said he would just like put newspapers down and shit on the floor. Because he's like, yeah. this is a tiny toilet. I'm a giant. I could barely fit in that. You know, I could barely fit in. Imagine Andre. Yeah. Okay, and last question. When I did Lucha and Laughs, um, there was this uh, Japanese wrestler who was older – what he would do the butt gun? Hikataro. He could yeah, that guy I loved. Okay, so <laughs> for listeners, he would he would uh, you know kick you in the stomach, get you to bend over, then put his hands together like he had a gun, and then uh, ram his fingers allegedly, you know, in their butt, and that was his move. And I fucking loved it. I thought he was so cool. So uh that would be part of my plugs as uh so Kikotaro is a, le a legend. He he that's, did. That's what everyone kept saying. They're like, this dude is a fucking legend. And I was like, okay, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. Yeah, he did. You know, he did comedy matches in the Tokyo Dome in front of 45,000 people, you know, making people laugh. Like, you know, who, who could say they did comedy in front of 45,000 people? Kikotaro and Andrew Dice Clay. That's it, you know. So. <laughs> Two tough guys. Uh, yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, uh, what, any plugs? I mean, just watch AEW, anything, uh, the art of wrestling. Yeah. So I did it. I did a, I did three documentaries, but one I think maybe your listeners would enjoy, uh, is a documentary about comedic pro wrestling and myself, Kikutaro and, uh, the Scottish wrestler named Grado, who's actually on like BBC shows 
in Scotland, but is a, a comedic wrestler. Uh, we did a, an American road trip and we documented it and I'm very proud of it. So okay. uh, I'll, put a li- I'll put a link in this episode description. What's the, uh, what's the, what's it called? It's called the wrestling road diaries three funny equals money. Okay. Link and in the episode description. Thank you. Uh, Coltmerch.com. Uh, my Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and I just jumped on Twitch. Yeah. That's Colt Cabana. All right. I will. Well, this is all on your website. I'm sure I'll, I'll put a link to that. Yeah. I'm just saying. Uh, and then the I'm trying to make it easy for everybody. Sorry. Uh, well, thanks a bunch for being on it, man. This is like incredibly fun. Uh, yeah. And I would love to interview more wrestlers. If any of your wrestling pals would want to come on and tell their stories, because I am running out of comedian friends. Oh, well, I will shout out Jess Palumbo, who came up to me at AEW and was like, I found this podcast. It's the best. This guy named Brooks Whelan. I was like, uh, I'm on it. Don't worry. <laughs> yes, I'm going to send, I will send, will you, uh, we'll talk after this. I'll send Jess a fuck the cave mug because you sent me a video where she said fuck the cave. And okay. that really warms my heart. Uh, the worst part, okay. The only thing is like, I do really like when people say fuck the cave, but like sometimes I'll be opening for uh, John Oliver in front of, you know, like an, uh, a lot of people and um, one person will scream fuck the cave and you know, like 6,000 people will be like, what is happening? And I'm like, please not now. Don't yell that now. Uh, if I could stop the 5,099 of you. Yeah, uh, and explain. explain I, this I, yeah, if I could stop the 5,999 who think that I'm currently keeping John Oliver from coming on. <laughs> who think I tied him up and am oh. stealing his time. I, so I know I, this is a, another Dice callback, but I was in high school and I remember seeing Dice at the Rosemont theater like a high school kid loved dice uh now kind of took the piss out of him but whatever and i just remember booing so hard at his opener just and i'm sorry i apologize for all the crap dice is not bringing in great fan his fan base is not good john's is a good fan base they will give me uh, a thing but dude i my favorite band in the world is my morning jacket and in 2006 they opened for pearl jam at the United Center, and I, I was like, get them the fuck off. I just, I'm so dumb. I am 18. I only want, these guys have Eddie Vedder tied up somewhere, and they're making this <laughs> into what will eventually be my favorite songs. It's so dumb. So, uh, listeners, respect the openers. They're great. Respect the openers. Uh, all right, Cole. I, um, and uh, shout out to Jess. I'll send you that mug. Uh, I know you're a huge fan, so I always let the guests... Uh, All right, I'll take us out of here. This uh, has been Entry Level, the podcast for Brooks Whelan. I'm Cole Cabana. Thanks. This one goes out to my real close friend and buddy, Kurt Hennig, a.k.a. Mr. Perfect. Just want to let you know that you're missed, but you'll never be forgotten. You've always been an incredible friend. We just want you to know that we got your back, party system style, for the macho man, Randy Savage. Hey, Kurt, we miss you, but we know you're in a better place. It's kind of hard as time goes on and I don't see your face. So I'm clinching and I'm holding on to memories. Remember the times rolling strong, just you and me. It's real hard sometimes to keep it going day to day. But I know you wouldn't want it any other way. So I keep it moving, doing what I gotta do. And as a tribute, I'm dedicating a song to you. You were my perfect friend, right there until we met. You were my perfect friend, until we meet again.
forgotten As long as my tools around I'ma keep your spot in Wrestling history Cause you were all about perfection It's not a mystery That wrestling was the right selection Cause you were one of the best Very high on my list Not just in the rings But out of the ring You're dearly missed But your name lives on We carry on your legacy Cause the passion that you left with us Lives on in me Never felt like this Mr. Perfect, don't you know that you'll be truly missed?